Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory premieres on both sides of the Atlantic. Black Knight Sword of Rage launched at the Midwest Gaming Classic. Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland teaser video released. Hi, my name is Jonathan Newson of Pinball Magazine, and I am here with... Martin Ebb from Pinball News. And we're here to talk to you about the uh, pinball industry events and news of the past month, which would be April 2019. And an exciting month it was. You know, we say that every month, but uh, there was quite a lot happening this month with with new new releases and some big shows taking place. Yes, it was uh, indeed a very exciting month, and um, we saw a uh, a very interesting uh, first. Um, just to dive into our uh, first uh, topic right away, yeah, um, we, we saw a um, uh, dual continent uh, reveal of a new game by Jersey Jack Pinball. It was interesting, and um, not just because of the fact it was happening on two continents, but because the, I think, um, I think you probably agree with this, Jonathan, that um, it was a it was a lot more stage managed and a lot more um, controlled in terms of press release and getting um, websites and podcasts and things on, on board and up to speed, ready for the launch, um, which took place initially on the. Friday night, I think that's right, at the Midwest Gaming Classic in yes, Milwaukee. That's correct. Yes. That was the uh, weekend of uh, uh, April uh, 13th and 14th, but the reveal in America was on uh, April 12th, which was the Friday. And um, so the game was revealed there, they were, and, and um, they had done their homework at Jersey Jack, I have to say. I mean, there, were, um, there was a live stream um, of the uh, of the reveal, um, they had uh, people uh, from Jersey Jack playing the game, uh, being streamed live, um, giving commentary on on what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, but at the same time, um, several websites uh, already had received images of the game uh, that they were able to um, uh, reveal as soon as the game was uh, revealed, including uh, Pinball News and Pinball Magazine, but also This Week in Pinball. Um, several podcasts had the opportunity to play the game, so they already knew what the game was about, and uh, they had uh, episodes ready to air. So um, I have to say congratulations to Jersey Jack for um, tying all this so well together, uh, because I think other pinball manufacturers uh, might still learn from that. I agree. And uh, also, you know, congratulations to everybody involved in um, in the reveal um, and in publishing and streaming and doing their podcasts in, um, in keeping all that stuff under wraps until the appointed reveal time, which was, um, I guess, when it was revealed in Milwaukee. Uh, for us, we, uh, you and I, both were launching our reports at uh, what three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I think it was in uh, in Europe, which tied in with nine o'clock p.m. over in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, and I think the uh, the American podcast had a two hour head start. They could uh, reveal their stuff at seven already. I think the reveal was also planned at seven. But right. uh, and what's also interesting to notice is that um, um, I think there were at least like five or six different parties that basically had seen the game up front, 
um, nothing was leaked. You know, the biggest fear at Stern or other companies is like, oh, we don't want anything leaked before the reveal and uh, and so on. And basically, everybody showed like, no, we signed an NDA and that's fine. And nobody is revealing anything. I think Canada uh, was very vocal in that he played the game and he was very enthusiastic about the game, causing a hype on its own. But he didn't reveal any secrets about the game. Yeah, well, well, we knew that the game was going to be revealed um, at Flip Expo, and, and we knew the game was going to be revealed at Midwest Gaming Classic, but um, we didn't actually announce the title of the game or anything, any details about it oh, until such time as we were given permission to do that. Yeah, okay, so that's the one part that uh, Canada did spill. Um, everybody was told to refer to the game as J- uh, Jersey Jack's uh, fifth game, and uh, which everybody did except Canada. But on the other hand, um, I think uh, uh, that it would be Willy Wonka. Uh, that, that was sort of like public knowledge, I guess. Yeah, I don't, it was no big secret, but yeah, just in uh, in deference to uh, to Jack and the rest of the team there, we didn't didn't spill the beans officially until they were, they were ready to announce it. Right, okay. So so they planned that reveal very well. Um, um, as far as the game goes, we both played it. What do you think? I loved it. I thought it was really good. Um, it had a lot of the flow and, um, and, the, and the shock geometry of Dialed In, which plays, I mean, it's one of the best-playing games of recent times, I think. Willy Wonka's packs, just packs in so many shots into into that same kind of uh, upper right area where the uh, the theatre is in Dialed In. But um, I just felt it... Um, I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll go out first of all and say I'm not a huge fan of the movie simply because I haven't seen it for so long and I deliberately didn't want to watch it before I played the game because I reckon there'll be a lot of people out there who aren't that familiar with it. So for... I was being one of those, I was being your representative for somebody who is vaguely aware of what Willy Wonka's about um, from their childhood, but hasn't seen the movie in 20 years or more, or 30 years. Um, so I was coming at it from that angle, whereas you, I know, saw the movie you know, a couple of days before. No, actually, uh, I, I tried to, but um, I couldn't find it online uh, for free, and I didn't want to pay for it. I saw a couple of clips uh, which reminded me of the Wonka Vision, which I had completely forgotten about. So right. I remembered what, uh, so I had an idea what that did. Um, else, it would be a big blur for me as well. But um, well, I, I couldn't remember what that was. That 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 didn't uh, had no reference to that. But so I was coming at it as how is this a game to play, even if you don't know the theme, right? Uh, and from that point of view, um, I I picked up know the basic objectives very quickly uh, obviously there are references in it as there would be to, for any license theme to to elements which i was less familiar with you know i didn't know who you know the name to the kids in it uh, i didn't remember much about the wonka vision but i think probably most of the references i've, I've got from from recent times about what about Willy wonka have come from uh, um sort of flashback or um pop culture references from shows like family guy who uh, who did kind of like a an equivalent of Willy Wonka set in the beer factory. So all that stuff sort of resonates with me, even if I don't actually know the, the exact reference that um, it, it relates to. But flipping it, 
yeah, lovely, smooth playing game. Lots of shots, really, really lots of shots. And and something that's, that's very unusual, I found, and I, I don't know whether you found this too, Jonathan, is that even with that many shots packed into a, a very tight area, and you know, it's a four-flipper game, um, they all flowed really well. Yes. You, know, you think they'd be really narrow, and you know, that's, that's a criticism that's been applied to... It's not like Houdini. Houdini. Well, I was going to say exactly that, yes. <laughs> Houdini, it's got, a, it's got a lot of shots, and you're hitting a lot of posts. I didn't find that in Willy Wonka at all. I found no. I was I was making shots cleanly. If, if I was making the shot, I was I was actually getting the ball all the way around. It wasn't wasn't rattling and coming back at me all the time. Was was that what you found too? Yeah, it's a very smooth playing game. Um, um, well, it, it plays like butter, and even uh, with the upper flippers, the shots that you're supposed to be making are actually easy to be. Uh, made there's a um, uh, for those who have seen the layout of the game there's a third ramp which is a sort of center ramp that you can only shoot with the uh, upper right flipper and even that although it's a very tiny area that shot is very easy to be made and very satisfying when you do make it as well yeah and um, and I was also very happy to see um, some sort of mechanical innovation in this game, in the sense that um, there is a, uh, a rotating disc or a disc that can rotate, which reveals a uh, drop-through hole um, where uh, the ball can be uh, shot into, um, which I don't think we've seen something like that ever on a pinball no. machine before. No, also uh, interesting, although it's not exactly innovative, it's an interesting idea that that, that ball lock and um, and the scoop on the right-hand side, which also feeds to the same kick-out, kicks it out into the shooter lane, which then shoots it back up to the top of the play field, which is, uh, I haven't seen haven't seen anything, any kick-outs into a shooter lane, I don't think in any game, I'm sure somebody will probably be wrong on that, but um, that seemed like a, a nice idea and a way of um, sort of not just... It, it, it's a safe eject, if you know what I mean. It doesn't yeah. doesn't throw it laterally across the play field and down an out lane or anything like that. It's into the shooter lane, it's up to the top, and go around the orbit and and, and then round to the left flipper or into the top rollover lane, depending on, on what's happening. Right. So, so I thought that was nice as well. Right. So um, definitely compliments to uh, Pat Lawler and his team for uh, for the layout of this game and uh, the smooth way that it plays it really is a very satisfying game to uh, to flip yeah and, and quite a quite a short turnaround time on that i think uh, i think jack said in our uh, interview that we did with him our special bonus mid-month interview with with jack all about the game i think you mentioned that pat did this in about nine months if i remember correctly right so, and uh, what I also understood is that uh, this game is actually um, designed with the uh, commercial operators in mind in the sense that they were aiming to have um, uh, three-minute uh, games, so ball times around a minute. And I think they actually managed that uh, quite, uh, quite well. I didn't see any ridiculously long games uh, uh, on, on the show where we were... Uh, playing the game and it was a game that uh, yes there was a line but I kept getting back in line and I wanted to play it again so that's also a good sign yeah and uh, I should also mention that at the the show um, they also had some some very nice um, Willy Wonka chocolate 
Um, Wonka bars or miniature Wonka bars available. Yes, like which, Gothic. Uh, well, which I know you were particularly partial. Christoph, sorry, I'm, I, I, I like my sweets. Um, well, I'm no agreement here. I, uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but I have, um, I have a miniature Wonka bar right here right. to uh, to eat during right. this. Uh, well, actually, not to eat, but as a as a souvenir of the weekend. Right, and uh, that will be uh, very collectible in a few years' time, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah, well, if not edible, yes. Right. Um, um, I understood that at the Midwest Gaming Classic, they actually had big chocolate bars with uh, the, the Wonka uh, label uh, wrapped around it. So, um, but uh, so yeah, a very nice way to to tie in with um, the re- the reveal of this game. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> it was a it was a slightly Slightly strange reveal, uh, put revealing quotes there because uh, there was no sort of big presentation, no sort of um, no announcement by Jack or anything. Although Jack was at the show, obviously. Right. We're um, talking about the Flip Expo uh, reveal, on, not, on not the Midwest Gaming uh, Classic one. Yeah, which was a little more uh, managed, shall we say? Yeah. Um, with the, with their own seminar, um, it was it was midday in uh, Le Trepor. In, in France, where uh, the game was uh, was brought out, set up, and then made available for uh, for people to play. Right, and, and keep in mind that um, um, at, uh, the location where this was happening, um, there's uh, two big rooms basically, uh, and the the room where this was happening is basically a, a big sports hall. There was no amplification or anything. No announcement whatsoever was made that the game was uh, uh, basically revealed there. So a handful of people knew, and that was about it. Yeah, it was it was about as low key as you could possibly get. You know, all of a sudden, if you're walking past, there was one moment there was a gap uh, where next to the Pirates of the Caribbean dialed in Hobbit and um, the Yellow Brick Road edition of The Wizard of Oz. Um, and the next minute you turn around and there's a, a Willy Wonka machine filling that gap. Yeah. And, uh, which wasn't covered up or anything. It was just out there for everybody to see. And while the, uh, the streaming rig was set up so people could, could watch it online. And then um, basically it was available for everyone to play. Right, and even with, um, I think online they could have given it a little bit more uh, attention as well. Um, I mean, I even had difficulty finding, finding that stream. Yeah, I have no idea where that was. I mean, uh, turns out you have to uh, if if you if, I think if you look it up uh, or if you Google soiree flip, then you're able to find it. But if you had no idea and you were just Googling for uh, Willy Wonka pinball uh, stream, you won't find it. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, kind of miss a bit of a trick there with uh, promoting. I'm sure a number of people would have come to the show. Who were maybe you know in two minds about it if they'd known that the, the game was going to be there and, and available for everyone to play. Yeah, uh, it might also have uh, something to do that um, uh, obviously the um, I think a week uh, before the show the organizer of the show was informed that the game would be revealed there, and um, I even suggested like you better start hyping this a little bit to to draw more people to the show. Uh, but I don't think that really sunk in because I don't think they did that much. Yeah. And it might also have to do that later that we found out that it might actually be the last edition or the final edition uh, of this show because the organizing uh, team is sort of like no longer interested in continuing 
uh, doing the show, although that might have changed uh, during the course of the weekend, but that might explain why there is not that much um, promotion put into the fact that the, this game was being revealed at the show. That being yes. said, uh, while we're talking about the show, I think yeah. it was a great show. I agree. I think it's um, it's it has been expanding rapidly over the past couple of years since they got that second vendor hall. Um, it's become you know one of the, one of the major shows I think um, in in Europe. Um, yeah, and, it still, still needs some work in order to expand various aspects of it. But I, I'm not sure whether that's what they want to do. Right. I think think they like it to be a sort of local, a, a very French show, um, to encapsulate the sort of you know the, the laid back savoir faire attitude of here's a wonderful show. We're not going to shout and scream from the rooftops. We're not going to do a big social media plug on it. Um, come along, enjoy yourself. We're only going to charge what was it? Four euros. Four euros to come in. I mean, it's nothing, is it really? That, no, no. Um, it's like like uh, uh, four dollars, four dollars fifty. Yeah, I mean, for to be able to play all these games and um, go to all the vendor stands, and uh, you know, everything else was was reasonably priced as well. And uh, you know, with a with a great you know, little supermarket next door, little car for um, if you wanted to get snacks or drinks. They sold them at the show, but if you wanted to go to the supermarket, there it is, right? You know, literally, you know, um, thirty seconds walk away from the entrance, you can you can get whatever you want, and nobody nobody worried about it. And then they put on a good show, yeah. and uh, it's a good time of year. The weather was okay this year; it wasn't as good as last year when it was wonderfully warm. Yeah, it was a bit chilly outside, which meant they couldn't do a lot of the things that they would have done outside. And we, you and I, couldn't do our uh, our interview with Jack out. Uh, outside around the back of the main hall as we did last time because it was too cold but yeah. um but they were happy to suffer somewhere in the back in between all the <laughs> chairs and stage uh, uh stuff and what have you and um, um and provide us with some wonderful hospitality as well which if you listen to the, the podcast you will hear you now as they uh, as they turn up with uh, first champagne for us to drink during right. our, uh, our our discussion and then some some chocolate um uh, crepes as well to, to munch on um, so apologies if, if it made you hungry or thirsty listening to it yeah but no, it's uh, very uh, very appreciated <laughs> and I have to notice Absolutely. It, I have to to note as well that um, compared to last year the number of uh, games at this show went up quite significantly which is a good thing because I was really afraid like oh this is going to be another show with less than 60 games and mm. uh, actually I think the number was up uh, up to over a hundred, something like that. Okay. You, you you probably did the count. I didn't, but to be honest, I didn't because I, I normally just do the video. Um, but I, I, I could I could go back and, ch- and check on that. Um, but but interesting, quite a lot of the games, although we call it the vendor hall and the and the and the, like the free play hall, quite a lot of the games are actually in the vendor hall rather than the free play one. Right. So your uh, well, the newer ones, shall we say, are uh, are in the vendor hall, and. Um, and the ones which are brought by um, local collectors, enthusiasts, and supporters of the show are in the other hall, right? Along with all the tournament machines as well, right? So, uh, but there wasn't dialed in in the tournament lineup as well, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, at the final of the main tournament was held on it. Right. So, but uh, all in all, a uh, very, uh, very good show. Um, you um, wrote a very in-depth report uh, which people can read on pinballnews.com which I highly recommend 
Um, I was supposed to write a report as well, but after I saw what you did, I knew I'm not going to top that. So um, I was too busy with other stuff, so I was like, okay, I'll just send them to you. Fair enough. Thank you very much. Um, yes, it's um, quite, an in, as you say, in-depth. There's uh, about 130 high-res pictures on there and um, and a video walk around. And, uh, and of course, links to our, uh, our joint um, interview that we did with Jack, um, which I think is is that now that's now back on Podcast Garden. Yes, is that right now? Because we yes. had a little problem with that with that website. They had uh, some issues with their security um, certificates, so which meant that people couldn't get to it and we couldn't upload to it. Um, but I think it's all back now. Yes. So if you're listening to this, then you probably discovered that we're back on Podcast Garden because you're probably listening to it on Podcast Garden. Unless you downloaded it from Podcast Garden, then still the site is working again. So, and um, so um, that's yeah. it, I guess, for um, uh, that's the Willy Wonka game. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's one uh, one one thing we have to mention. Obviously, we did record the uh, the bonus podcast um, with uh, in which we interview uh, Jack Ranieri of Jersey Jack Pinball, but we had another guest as well. We did indeed. Um, Reporting live, well, semi-live, from uh, the other show as well. So um, that didn't kind of work out too well. Uh, it had some communication problems. Right. So uh, some people wondering, like, we finally had Gary Flower on the show. We did. Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah. Sadly, um, there were some communication issues and um, uh, I don't think Gary could hear us and we couldn't hear him very well. So, um, But in order to solve that, um, we came up with a solution. So yeah. to bring Gary finally on the show, and God knows he tried so many times to get on the show, this yeah. time we'll be calling Gary. Yes, we don't take any more chances uh, rather than uh, wait risk missing his call we're going to call him up right now and uh, get him to report live from uh, with his reminiscences of the uh, midwest gaming classic and everything that's happening i'm calling him right now so side. okay i'm sure we'll be able to better hear that any moment right okay uh, yes it's just a matter of waiting until he picks yeah. up his phone yeah, it's really and good. Uh, that's good yeah okay we can so. hear him can he hear us i wonder uh I, I as soon as we as, as he picks up, we'll find out if he can hear us. But, yeah. Um, okay. We did uh, tell him we we're going to call him, so he should be ready. Yeah. So uh, this is a big moment. I mean, he's been trying so long, and now it's finally here. Come on, pick up. The mobile number you call oh, no. is currently voicemail. Available. You gotta be oh. kidding me. Oh, oh man. We spent all this time building up to him, and he doesn't pick up. He's worse than we are. I'm glad you said that in the lie. Oh, well, we gave it a shot. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, maybe we'll yeah. try it later or else. Uh, there's other episodes as well. So um, we'll, we'll, We will get there. We definitely will. At some, some point, point, I'm sure we'll do. Yeah. So, so um, since okay. we already mentioned the uh, Midwest Gaming Classic mm. show, which yeah, was the same Gary weekend. can't fill us in on it. We'll have to, uh, to do it ourselves. Right. So, um, well, Midwest Gaming Classic was the show where Stern Pinball were revealing their uh, Black Knight Sword of Rage 
game. Um, and uh, obviously the game had been um, sort of revealed on uh, Facebook and Stern's website and all that kind of stuff, but nobody had uh, had a chance to play it. And here at the show, I think there were at least like 20 plus Black Knight games, uh, probably um, uh, different models as well. I'm not sure, but I'm yes, yeah, all three models I think were there, right. So, well, I wasn't there, so I couldn't check, but uh, I have to go with um, uh, what I hear, uh, heard. So, mm-hmm. uh, the game was there, um, also live streams covering uh, that game, and uh, in the meantime, Jack Danger also had uh, streamed uh, um, uh, gameplay footage uh, from the Stern Factory with... Um, <coughs> sorry, uh, Mike Vinicor and Steve Ritchie and even Gary Stern playing at some point, who surprisingly, being it Gary Stern, and we all know what a terrible pinball player he is, he actually did pretty good on a game oh. where he could hear no uh, no music. Well, that game obviously suited him. Yes, you could you could tell that. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, so, what, so what, what, what were your impressions of uh, a, a Black Knight uh, sort of rage then from the uh, reveal and um, well, the reveal we covered before, but the the first first live streams and uh, the first chance to actually see people play it for real. Right. Um, well, first of all, I have to say the artwork. Uh, I really have to compliment uh, Kevin O'Connor. I think he did a great job on that. Um, I obviously the music is a big factor in this game with uh, Ian Scott from uh, Anthrax uh, uh, having uh, uh, re-recorded the, yeah. the the classic Black Knight theme and uh, and some variations to that. Um, it's a very energetic, um, well, like uh, I don't know what you call it, heavy metal or whatever. Um, yeah, almost thrash metal, I guess. Yeah, shredding guitars and so on. Um, which is fine, but um, when you're watching that stream for 30 minutes, then it really gets old quickly. Yeah. And, um, and, and basically, it's um, the impression I got is um, usually with pinball, there's different uh, uh, tunes of music in there that um that build up to something i mean uh, there's yeah. a main theme which is uh, not as as enthusiastic or uh, hyped up as a, a multiple theme or something which is uh, supposed to be more exciting but here it was like everything is like okay um uh, a pedal to the metal and and um it's just uh, volume at 11 and and go yeah, I think it's definitely a full-on, in-your-face game right from the very start. I think that's that's probably a good way of putting it. Um, it's it's you know, it's high pressure constantly. There's no there's no uh, easing up on that. Um, you, you know, as as you probably as, as reasonable as if you're battling the Black Knight, it, it, you're not going to warm up to it. You have to get straight in there straight away and and uh, start fighting for your life. Right, and I guess that's what the game does. But you're right; there is there is a little change in pace that we've heard so far. I don't know whether right. that's going to change later. So, so that was one thing that I noticed that that at some point got a little annoying with me, and it could also have to do with um, uh, watching it on a live stream. And it might probably be different when you're actually playing the game. Um, that being said, um, I was quite surprised. I mean, um, uh, on um, uh, up front, the uh, 
the uh, animations in this game were uh, really talked up by uh, the people working at Stern. Like these were the best animations that were ever seen in pinball. Well, maybe at Stern pinball, but even with that, I probably disagree. In the sense that obviously they never watched a Jersey Jack game um, because I think the animations on um, uh, even Willy Wonka and uh, but but pirates dialed in, you name it. Um, Jean-Paul uh, Win set the bar very, very high. And um, um, without being dis- uh, wanting to be disrespectful to the um, uh, animation team at Stern, um, if you have a game called The Black Knight um, and you're supposed to be battling The Black Knight, then why are there sandworms and hellhands and other creatures that you have to battle? You're there to battle the Black Knight. I don't get that. I mean, um, I found it a little uh, distracting and uh, sort of out of place. I think uh, this is uh, something where the creative direction went a little overboard, like, hey, this is what we can do, let's do that. But just because you are able to do something doesn't mean that it's a good idea to do it. Mm-hmm. So okay, well let me let me let me counter your arguments a little in in uh, although not entirely because I, I do agree with you in in a number of ways. Um, certainly with games like um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Willy Wonka, um, in fact all the Jersey Jack games, they're all licensed themes. So you have a bunch of assets you can work with, and a, and a, and a look and a feel which you are you are matching which the movie gives you and you have assets as well which are provided to you which you can use so i'm not saying that what, what jp dewin did you know not trying to undermine that in any way and saying oh it was really easy he was given all this stuff it wasn't at all because obviously he needed to create things um the different the, the one exception there of course would be dialed in right. which is an entire you know new, um original concept which um Although based on you know TV, news channels and and um, and God games you know, like uh, Sim City and things like that, so there the, are the, the, the references there you can use. With um, Black Knight, it, it is a completely original concept, um, so you do have to sell the idea to people. But to take your point on board and and agree with you, um, I. I, I think it's clear that you've got a bunch of um, video game animators and designers working on this game who are producing some some wonderful top-notch uh, video game animations and characters in the back box on the display. But, as so many people often say, that's not where the game is. The game is on the play field. So all this stuff that's going on, most of the players, whenever you even look up and see any of these wonderful animations going up there, except when the ball's static. And on a game like Black Knight, uh, the ball is not static very often. It's a, it's a battle game, as Steve Ritchie is, is famous for. So the ball's constant, well, almost constantly in, in motion, except on the, on the few times where you do lock the ball. So you're not going to see a lot of that stuff, um, which is a shame as a player. It's good for the spectators, sure. Uh, so I think the animations they've done are excellent up there, but in terms of um, developing the, the theme and the story, as, as you were saying, um, it takes it off in a whole different dimension. It's almost like um, the Black Knight is a minor character 
in in the movie or in in the, uh, the movie in, in the, the game. game. Yeah. yeah, now and um, it's a it's a Black Knight universe has been created, almost like a Marvel universe where he's just one of the one of the people you have to battle uh, um, amongst a whole whole raft of others. And right. uh, I think he gets to, his role is diminished. Obviously, he's there on the playfield in a big way, and none of the other characters are. They're only in the back box. Um, but as, um, as far as the the modes and the game go. Um, yeah, there are a whole bunch of other characters that have been thrown in, which have no explanation. Right. And to me, it almost felt like a sort of rip-off of uh, Medieval Madness, where you have to battle different uh, um, uh, lords or whatever, uh, knights, uh, in order to get to, uh, um, uh, to the King of Pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, these are uh, in medieval madness. You're still battling, um, uh, uh, basically, uh, you're battling other knights, and now you're 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 battling all sorts of aliens or whatever you are. Um, and the other thing with medieval madness is it's funny. So exactly. you <laughs> so you, could, you could forgive throwing in all these extra characters if they all if they're all making you laugh. Right. So, um, but but in medieval madness, it's still sort of fitting with the theme that you have this king of pain and he has his his men and they all have castles and you're destroying uh, their castles one way one still that that fits perfectly with the game and now you're battling the black knight and all of a sudden you're you're not battling the black knight but you're battling a hell hand or a, a sandworm or um some some icy uh, creature uh, from I don't know where, um, mm. and that makes it a bit like um, out of place, I would say, in the sense that uh, it doesn't strike me if you're uh, battling the Black Knight and you, you you obviously have a Black Knight on a black horse and there's a Black Knight in in black armor on the playfield, then you're sort of um, positioning or the, the the theme of the game like a medieval knight and that kind of stuff and then it really confuses me like what what are where are all these other characters coming from and why are they even here mm. you could kind of imagine it if the black knight was you know bringing up his army um and there were maybe different types of armies that you had to battle uh, with him leading them always right you know, or or like Almost like I could say, almost like Game of Thrones with like the, the the White Walkers, or uh, you know, you still got the the, the lead um, White Walker, but he's got all, all his minions and all his um, all his followers who are coming up in wave after wave. That you have to defeat. Um, you know, maybe there are there are a wave of um, um, sandworms or or hellhands or whatever, but but still with the Black Knight in the lead and uh, taking the, the the charge to you. Um, but that wasn't what it seemed like to me. Yeah, it's um, like I said. Uh, uh, I got the idea that um, the creative direction went a little too much overboard with this and forgot what the the the, 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 the main who the, who the main villain of the game basically is. Yeah, because you, you, this is the third game in the series, so you've had two games lit with just the Black Knight to battle. So when you you actually have a third game where it's um, his role is effectively diminished or diluted by a bunch of others. Um, it 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 feels it feels a lesser game in in that regard. Although I think the playfield and the and the shot map is actually quite fun. I'm not sure about the upper playfield, 
Uh, I'm not sure whether there's anything much to do up there in the same way. No, on Black Knight 2000, I really like the upper play field on that because the ball bounces around when it's going into the uh, the rollover lanes, the, the war rollovers. You can bounce it and so it goes up onto the upper flipper and you can have a shot at the uh, the, the target bank, you know, the motorized target bank or for the lock or go around the orbit. And uh, it seems when it uh, hits the rollover or when it, it comes down towards the flipper on the upper play field, it, it kind of kind of dies there's not much going on up there. There's not much action, right. um, which which is fair if you if you're playing the pro because you obviously haven't got an upper play field, so that that makes sense. Right. So um, and there's one other comment about the Black Knight uh, that I need to make, which has nothing to do with um, um, the uh, theme integration or whatever you want to call it. But um, obviously we mentioned that uh, uh, Willy Wonka had a dual continent reveal. Um, interestingly, the same weekend as the um, uh, the Midwest Gaming Midwest Classic, Gaming. Um, there was actually a Black Knight game. Uh, in Europe as well at the Austria Comic Con, um, Stefan Riedler, a um, um, importer in Austria, had imported a Black Knight game to be um, uh, present at that show, which is great. Um, the difference it being that this was not organised by Stern Pinball. Yeah, there was no sort of official launch. It was, uh, I think, it was all all Stefan's work in order to, to get the game there, and uh, I'm not saying it wasn't supported, but there was no European launch over right. there at the time, which there could have been, you know, because I, th- I think it's interesting. Uh, I don't know whether whether you feel the same, Jonathan, but I thought that um, originally, I thought the Midwest Gaming Classic was just going to be, it was going to be the Black Knight show, really. You know, they're going to have Marco going to be there with like 20 or 30 of these these brand new games. It's, it's Stern's big reveal of it. And... Then the same weekend, we also get um, the reveal of Willy Wonka, right. uh, which I think kind of I don't know I don't know whether it detracted or whether it, whether you know a two reveals better than one um, uh, for the or, show probably yeah I think it uh, must have drawn in uh, more people in the sense that uh, the pinball people who were uh, maybe hesitant uh, or not sure about going, um, sure, it might help uh, to know that there's two new games being uh, revealed at at that show. Um, Interestingly, I think um, if you... uh, I think there could be a bigger contrast between the two games. Um, Oh, absolutely. uh, uh, If it wasn't just for the musical aspect, um, I mean, Willy Wonka has all this... Uh, musical like uh, music from the movie, which reminds a lot of uh, reminded me a lot of the Wizard of Oz actually. Mm-hmm. Um, versus the shredding uh, guitars uh, from Anthrax. Yeah, absolutely. I say Black Knight is a battle game. You know, Steve Ritchie does battle games like nobody else, um, and Pat Lawler does flow games um, and um, and, um, and stop and go as well built into that but uh, he originally stop and go a lot but i think he's, he's he's added more and more flow to his games over recent times and made them a lot more accessible i don't think it's all about trying to kill you all the time whereas black knight is very much about trying to kill you both uh, metaphorically and uh, trying to drain the ball in the shortest possible time uh, judging from the uh, the videos i've seen of people playing anyway we haven't i haven't actually got my hands on one yet so i'm looking forward to doing it yeah same here 
but it does seem like most of the most of the major shots on that game are you know like halfway up the playfield. So you know the the, the bash toy for the Black Knight, the uh, the flail, the shield, um, and the the um, the lock shot. Yeah. You know, it's all in the bottom half of the playfields. So the ball's going to be coming back at you very very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so, whereas um, I have to Willy say Wonka, long, long shots, no smooth shots. Um, reasonably safe most of the time although whether the ball times are any less i would like to say right so uh obviously in terms of uh technical innovation since i mentioned that was wonka um that that frail kind of toy on uh, black knight that, that's something that we haven't seen before it's interesting yeah uh, motorized um um there's a motor there there's uh, obviously a couple of motors on willy wonka one to uh, rotate the the disc that covers the uh, the subway entrance, and also for the uh, for the spinning gobstopper toy as well, which uh, is variable speed. So various modes, the more you hit it, the faster it spins. Right, and seven magnets on the playfield as well on Willy Wonka. Seven, seven is just an absolutely bizarre. Well, it's outrageous, really. Um, they're not, not full size magnets uh, in the same way that we we've, we've seen them before. They are the mini magnets. Which is a, a another, I guess you could say, another innovative feature on that right. game, uh, with LED circles around them as well, so you, you can see where they are and see when they're active, um, and um, come, come the concept of, of micro inserts, I suppose, which is um, something I don't think we've really seen. I don't think we've seen inserts that small on any game before, um, not recently. Lord of the Rings comes to mind. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the LEDs in the ring uh, just above the flippers. That's true, but I think that's one one big insert there, isn't it? With some LEDs underneath it. I don't. Or are they all individual ones? Maybe they are. Um, I'm actually not sure. I've. I've I think it's one insert we're printing over the top. Where okay. I think these are uh, individual holes, which is uh, which is interesting design. But uh, anyway, more on that later. Right. Uh, so, so while we're on the topic of uh, Storm Pinball. Um, there's some other news as well. Um, yeah, some people coming or maybe going, um, and and upcoming games as well. Um, so uh, where do you I, want to start with? Well, I'll start with the. I, I understand, and I haven't got any any more details than this. That the the next game to come out of Stern um, after Black Knight is going to be Keith Elwin's game. I think a number of people thought it was was going to be Brian Eddy's. Um, but I don't think it is. Uh, uh, my current understanding is Keith's game is, is next on uh, next in line. But, of course, all these things are liable to change. You know, uh, various delays or, or changes in, in production schedule could be... Um, that, that isn't the case anymore. But uh, at the moment, that's my understanding about that. Um, I also heard that um, Jeremy Packer, Zombie Yeti... Um, who kind of took a step back from pinball? Like, probably got a bit burnt out, I think, from uh, from his time producing so many so many games, um, and took a self self imposed break from uh, doing the artwork for pinball games. I think he's now back working with Stern on uh, on a new game for them. I don't know whether it's I don't think it's Keith's game, but uh, it might be. But certainly, it's, a, it's an upcoming title that he's working on for now. Right. And um, um, 
talking of artists. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I get it, I get it. You want me to spill the beans on this one? Yeah, go on. Okay, so um, Christopher French is, uh, um, I'd say, an interesting artist uh, to discuss. Um, I think, um, I'm not even sure, when we discussed the um, the Texas Pinball Festival, did you mention that, um, as we understood it, at the show, during the show, Christopher Frenchy quit Stern, said he would never work for them again unless it was uh, that he was being hired uh, by Kapow. And yeah. then after the show, or even during the show, uh, things got smoothed out, and... Uh, um, as, as as often the soup doesn't get eaten as hot as it uh, gets uh, served, but there was definitely some frustration on the end of uh, Christopher Frenchy, and um, so the rumor has it that uh, at least at that point um, things were straightened out, and he was back at Stern. Um, and then um, last month he um, he showed some concept artwork for Beetlejuice that he uh, suggested to Stern. It was a, uh, a backlash that he uh, uh, showed. Mm-hmm. And um, the interesting news here is that none of the design teams at Stern were interested in doing it. And as George Gomez told uh, Christopher Frenchy, if they are not interested in doing it, then there's no point in doing it. No, because if if, if you if you if you don't feel it, then what's the point of doing it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you don't want to just design a game based on some nice art. Right. So and um, um, so I think Christopher, um, I don't recall the, uh, the the post exactly, but if other pinball companies were interested, they could contact him. So that that could be interesting, and I would not be surprised if we would see Christopher Frenchy actually designing some uh, artwork for different manufacturers as well. Well, he's a freelancer, so unless he has a contract, an exclusivity contract with um, any of the other manufacturers or with Stern, then uh, why not? Why shouldn't he uh, work for any other companies? Right. I already know he, he does stuff for... Uh, um, with Joe Kamakau at Zynga. Right. I think think that's well known. Um, I don't know if he's done any work with Joe for Aristocrat on slot machines, but... Um, Could very well be. be. Uh, wouldn't be a huge stretch to imagine that taking place. Um, obviously, Joe with Kapow, um, it's... Well, I think Joe posted that he was kind of done with pinball. Yeah, he retired uh, again. Yeah, but, you know, everyone's retired until they're working on their next game. True. It seems. So, uh, never say never, as uh, everyone is very keen to say in the pinball industry, because uh, people people change their mind and markets change and ideas come up. And, well, I, I know that Joe was uh, uh, pursuing various uh, licenses uh, as Kapow um, back when uh, the Batman 66 game um, came out. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you remember um, or you were at that one, but um, there was a pinball expo where he, he sort of circulated a, a questionnaire. Exactly, that's a, a, what, exactly what I was uh, getting at, where oh, people well, could, um, basically you could um, um, uh, tick a box. There were a number of um, uh, themes listed. Um, I do recall Big Bang Theory being one of them. And... Um, um, 
basically these could be handed in somewhere, I guess, and um, they would take that into consideration to see, like, uh, uh, feel if there's any demand for a certain theme. Yeah. So, well, maybe uh, maybe we'll be seeing a Big Bang Theory pinball coming up. That was just one uh, one of the games, and I think Big Bang Theory is actually a um, aristocrat uh, slot machine already. Actually, mm-hmm. it was already back then. So, it, um, uh, with the connection already being there, um, yeah, I was kind be... of assuming that uh, those were licenses that Joe already had um, for for slot machines, and and was looking to see whether they could be extended to, to pinball as well. Right. So, um, and it could be interesting. On the other hand, um, uh, well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> for now, Joe is apparently uh, done. But then again. Um, the next licensing show day, he will probably run into Gary uh, again, and uh, they'll probably have a, a drink together or a dinner, and who knows what that will lead to. So, yeah, I don't think anyone's really done in, in the pinball industry, um, at least while they're, they're still breathing. They can always come back and uh, come up with a new idea. Right. So we've seen that happen many times, including you know. Um, when uh, when Jack brought Pat Lawler back, for for instance, you know, and um, and Stern brought Brian Eddy back, and you know, every, every all those people you thought were out of pinball uh, suddenly come back, and uh, not to mention the um, in a related incident, um, the the closure of um, Larry Demar's company. Larry's retiring. Right. Um, his LED gaming company, who who did software and, and game concepts for slot machines. Uh, is closing down. It was effectively closed down already, but I don't think it hasn't um, financially closed down until the end of the year. But um, the number of people from that company uh, were ex-pinball people who are now back in back in the game, including people like Duncan Brown, right, for instance, who's, who's, who's now back working at uh, Jersey Jack alongside uh, Ted Ted Estes, you know? which is uh, basically uh, um, reuniting the the old team. Yeah, yeah, well, and Pat's there, of course, as well, and. Uh, and Johnny Alsey, of course, doing art, and you know it's uh, it's always back to the good old days. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. So, uh, you, as I say, you're never out of pinball. Right. So now, speaking of design teams, um, that's actually a very nice bridge to our uh, next topic. Um, since we're going to be talking about deep root pinball. Mm. Now, obviously, um, Deep Root last year announced that they would be having uh, um, uh, their five days of Deep Root at the Texas Pinball Festival, and then they cancelled. Um, but that being said, they do uh, employ uh, four pinball designers, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's that's correct. With uh, um, Dennis Nordman working on at least two non-licensed games, Barry Osler is working on multiple games, John Popadewick is there, and John Norris as well. Um, I remembered. Yeah, and um, the interesting thing is that um, uh, John Popadewick was the first designer who uh, was well, not not officially announced as being a designer there, but it, uh, people got uh, uh, news of it, and there was, um, with the whole Zitwer uh, debacle, if you want to call it, uh, about John not being able to deliver the games that he uh, actually owed people, uh, but was unable to build, um, Deep Roots took it upon them to 
uh, at some point deliver these games and apparently um, uh, those games were supposed to be delivered either somewhere this year not sure whether they're going to uh, actually do that but the interesting news now is that there is a video teaser for a title that was formerly a Zitword title, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think there were at least three titles from John um, with Magic Girl, uh, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland, and, and Alice, Alice in Wonderland. Wonderland. So they'll be the, the three which he was believed to be working on for Deep Root. Uh, Magic Girl was obviously has a history. <laughs> A long history, um, and the other two do as well to a degree. In that people pay, paid money for those, or paid deposits on those, or indeed paid in full in some cases for them, and then never received them. So there's the, the whole legal side of that going on. But it, uh, Magic Girl was produced in a form, be right. it unplayable, pretty much. Um, so a number of those machines were delivered to owners, but it was thought. Well, I certainly thought that Magic Girl would have been the first of the titles that they would have made from Deep Root. Um, but it looks like they, they've skipped that for the moment and gone on to promote Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland, which they have, which they have started the promotion process with a, as you say, a, a teaser video, which kind of fills in the backstory to the game or creates a backstory to it, I suppose, um, as up until now there's never been one. This is the game which actually started as a, as a Ben Heck-themed game. Right. Um, but it was then rethemed um, after Ben and or Ben sort of, um, and so, John um, were no longer associated, to be say. Right. So I'm trying to figure out what the, the name of Ben's game actually was. There was a Ben Heck... Um, uh, yeah, come back to me on that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because it, there was also something like uh, Ben hey, hey, so, uh, something something Adventureland. Yeah, I'm sure there were zombies in there as well. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely Adventureland and maybe zombies. Uh, right, but I don't think so. it was. Uh, I don't think it was retro. I don't think it was atomic at that point. Right. So, um, but but having the title being changed to Retro Atomic. Uh, zombie Adventureland. Um, so, uh, um, well, uh, if we're discussing this teaser with this uh, backstory, then um, um, it appears to me what they try to do is create a story where the, uh, every element of the title is sort of explained. So, um, uh, here goes in my best English trying mm. to describe this uh, teaser video where we see mm. a giant... Um, UFO uh, with Martians um, uh, invading the Earth and then being sabotaged by a heroine. Um, the, causing... the Martians led by a bad guy, um, a, a sort of captain, right. um, or Ned, which doesn't really sound like a bad guy name, but anyway, carry on. Right. So, um, so this heroine sabotages their plans to invade the Earth, causing the uh, uh, their sources to crash, which happens to be um, in a amusement park, which is next to a nuclear power plant. Sure, which mm -hmm. happens to be based on a graveyard. Well, who, who can say they haven't been to somewhere like that? I know 
I have. Okay, well, I haven't. Uh, maybe that's for the best. So, but um, okay, it sounded a little bit far-fetched to me. Um, I mean, it's not like uh, what type of game is this? Oh, this is a uh, a carnival game, or this is a um, um, a, th- a soccer-themed game, or a baseball-themed game. No, this is a game themed about Martians invading a adventure land based near a nuclear power plant which is built on a graveyard so it's stuffed with zombies uh-huh yeah no sure um like i said i find it a little bit far-fetched uh, i do have to say that uh, so there is this this video is completely animated um which looks very very cool and very um uh, modern I would say. Uh, also a little bit cartoonish in the sense that I, um, um, yeah, it sounds like you're you're watching something at uh, Cartoon Network, but um, uh, that, 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 that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, so now I'm just curious how they are going to integrate that whole backstory into uh, uh, gameplay. Well, it certainly gives you plenty of, or it gives them, I say, the team at Deep Root, plenty of possibilities of, of features to include in the game although as you as you're saying you know it it it's a bit widespread and um a kind of a scatter scattergun approach in the well yeah okay we'll have aliens um I'm not sure they're necessarily martians but there's certainly aliens um there's zombies there's a theme park there's a nuclear effects there um there's a retro in there somewhere. We're not quite sure what the retro element is. I'd, I'd say, the, yeah, the, uh, I figured the retro part is the uh, uh, the aliens, um, and then uh, probably depicting uh, uh, or using that in a um, sort of 50 sci-fi uh, manner. Think Roswell and how that was used in movies and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, basically, hopefully. like like Attack from Mars was apparently a parody on that those type of. Uh, um, uh, movies and stories now, okay, so, so probably in that sense, but um, then again, I'm like, okay, with the tech from Mars, we had Martians invading the Earth, everybody could understand, okay, we have Martians invading the Earth, it's not like we have Martians invading an adventure land near a nuclear power plant based on a graveyard, mm, yeah. It may be maybe spread, as I say, a scattergun approach and get pick I up mean, as many different like, themes as you can. It's trying to combine Attack from Mars with The Walking, Walking Dead, Dead, Total Nuclear Annihilation, and Cyclone. Yeah, and a bit of uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon thrown in for retro feel. There you go. And oh, so guaranteed winner. Yeah. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so that, that, that's a little bit confusing. But then again, it might be the coolest game ever. Um, uh, it's certainly something that keeps us to- uh, talking about it for 10 minutes or more. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think if, it, if it, as long as it doesn't take itself seriously, as long as it's uh, lighthearted and throws in all these aspects and um, in, a, in, a, in a humorous way and, um, you know, a bit like in the way that Futurama can... Can dart around uh, various themes and ideas, and uh, right. along with, and it's got strong characters who you emote with and care about, and uh, and don't just you know not give a damn about. Then um, I think it, it could possibly work. 
Right. So um, what I found very interesting is, uh, obviously, this video uh, was published on the uh, website of Deep Root Studios. And uh, on that same website, you can take a look at um, uh, their team, um, which is uh, the, just a team of Deep Root Studios. So the pinball designers are no, long, no part of that. But these are just the people making animations and that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that's like 40 people already there. Hmm. And well, it makes you wonder whether they could be you know, doing more than just uh, a pinball well, machine. Well, uh, according to the website, they are doing more. And we already knew that the idea is actually that once they create an intellectual property, uh, I think the plan is to turn that or to exploit that in as many ways as possible. So uh, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland could be a cartoon series that could be available for streaming services or Cartoon Network or whatever, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, what I understood is that they're trying to create some sort of electoral property for all these uh, titles and use that in these games and vice versa. Yeah, well, no reason not to if you're, uh, if you're coming up with uh, original titles, and in most of the cases they are. Um, you want to, I, I guess, the, the, turn them into some kind of animated or or um, broadcast format gives you a lot more chance to expand and explain the story behind the games if you, you know rather than having a teaser video like that if you had a you know a, a 30 minute or a you know with that with commercials in um, cartoon that introduced it then that would be a lot more entertaining and a lot and get you more into the the pinball side of it as well you know it would be an, it almost sells it in rather than having a, a theme developed um, you know, like Futurama, which goes off and becomes an amazing cartoon series. And then people say, let's have a pinball machine, do them both in parallel. So, right. uh, the, so the two, you know, they, they have, a, they coexist and, and they support each other in that way. That's a good idea. I think they've yeah. got, got uh, a new, new means of actually uh, theming or coming up with original themes and, and developing them, which are beyond just the game. Right. So, good idea. And uh, there's actually um, there's a sort of uh, collage of characters um, that they are apparently working on, so you can get an idea what kind of different uh, characters uh, are being developed by uh, Deep Root. Um, in the meantime, I did a quick count of the people listed currently on the Deep Root Studio website, and that's actually 38 people, so I wasn't that far off with wow. uh, my, my number 40. Mm. Um, and that's just a studio. So, And then we're not even talking about the, the, the pinball designers and the mechanical engineers and all the people involved in that. So, And they haven't so, actually produced anything yet. They haven't sold anything yet. So uh, all those people are on the books, working away, and uh, without, without uh, any income to support them yet. So... There's a lot of a lot of investment in in that uh, in that that business. So, uh, good luck to them. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they uh, proceed. But uh, from the looks of it, they might be uh, uh, there could be enough content to start their own um, network. I would almost huh. say. Well, well, that'd be something. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll just uh, just looking at uh, the points that we're going to mention. There's, there's, just want to flip back to Stern and flip as in book, because um, the um, we're still waiting on the thirty years of Stern book. It was thirty years, wasn't it? it wasn't twenty five or thirty five? I can't remember now. It was so long ago. It 30, was, uh, thirty years. 
30 years of stern. Was 30 years of stern? Yes. For paper flock. Okay, they were, they were, they were, or slash are producing the book. Um, I think this month um, that we're in, yeah, now, um, looking, at the, looking at the clock, it's just come midnight here and the 1st of May. So, yeah, I think May is uh, when it was due to be uh, released two years ago. So it is now officially two years late right. uh, in being published. Um, no sign yet it's, it's going uh, to be, be sent out to anyone yet. Is that reason for the celebration? Oh, no, it's celebration, commemoration, maybe. It's mark, mark the moment. And um, I'm sure Paper Flock are as keen as anyone to get the book published and out to the people who have bought it. Um, uh, I wouldn't be so sure in the sense that um, you think they have it done by now. I mean, I'm a publisher. Um, actually, the whole idea of doing a book on, on 30 Years of Stern came from me. And as, as I approached uh, Gary Stern and Dave Peterson uh, with that idea in, uh, I think, uh, in January of 2015 at the EAG show. And they liked the idea, and then again. So, um, eventually they decided to, uh, uh, somebody else might have talked to them about it, and they might have not gone with the way that I wanted to do it, because I would, uh, if I would do it uh, as editor of Pinball Magazine, it would be a Pinball Magazine publication, and I would also highlight the things that didn't go right. Um, and that might not have been what Stern was looking for. Um, no, I, th I think they wanted a lot more edi editorial control over what was actually in the book, uh, including uh, maybe not mentioning some of the, the less... Um, successful games. Uh, well, and, uh, not just the games, but also some of the, the people who worked there and some of the, uh, some of the events that took place. Yes, including, you know, um, various people leaving the company or rejoining, you know, and, uh, or, or just leaving. You know, and not rejoining ever. Right. You know. While I think those people tell the most interesting stories. Yeah. Well, this is a, uh, I guess it's going to be a sort of you know, a puff puff piece, as, as they call it, for, for Stern. So uh, to big them up and not mention any of the, uh, the less savory parts of their history. Right. Okay. So anyway, so. Um, yeah, it's not out yet. That's the point. Yeah. And it's two years uh, late. So. Uh, but yeah. I, I do feel sorry for the people who uh, um, uh, supported the book, invested their money in it, and still have nothing to show for it. Well, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't want to uh, bang on my own drum, but if you're interested in reading uh, a quality uh, uh, pinball publication, then may I refer to uh, Pinball Magazine? Nope, never heard of it. No. Yeah. Oh, no. I hear it's a great publication. I mean, the last issue, um, that's the fifth issue, 360 pages. Well, that's more like a book. I guess it is. So so oh, maybe sh people should check that out. So, And uh, speaking of checking it out, for those people attending either the Golden State uh, uh, Pinball Show or um, I'm trying to, uh, the, the Allentown Show, which is next mm -hmm. weekend, um, at the Allentown Show, Pinball Magazine will actually be offered at the stand of Pin Sound. Ah, okay. Excellent. Um, Pin Sound, who, who were also in, uh, I think, also selling your, your publication and had a, had a very nice stand at uh, Flip Expo as well. 
with a, a large display of machines um, all uh, demonstrating their, their pin sound alternative soundtracks, uh, right. which I think people appreciated a lot. That was, uh, that was very nice. Right, and they were uh, also selling it at the Texas Pinball Festival. Ah, right. So okay. it's so a what? very fruitful collaboration with Pinsound. I hardly recommend you check out their product. Okay, while we're on the subject of self-promotion, um, let me um, just um, mention that um, at the time of recording, it's now uh, Wednesday the 1st of May, and um, in a few hours' time, uh, at 8 p.m. tonight, um, I shall be opening registration for the a new tournament thing we're doing in the UK this, this year. We're doing a fantastic five days of pinball tournaments uh, featuring five days of pinball events at uh, a couple of locations. Maybe you should tie in with Deep Root. Wow, okay. In that case, it's cancelled until next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're definitely doing it, and it's uh, July the, the 17th to 21st, uh, five, five days of tournaments um, culminating at Flip Out London, um, in South London, uh, basic point being that registration for this opens in a few hours' time. On um, if you want to sign up for it, if you uh, want to come to London, um, only eighty places available, so you better get in quick. And eighteen or it. eighty? Eight zero. Okay. Yeah, at uh, <laughs> eighteen, yeah, that'd be getting very quick. Um, at uh, tournaments.pinballnews.com. Uh, a little bit later today where the registration will be available. So that's um, the fantastic five days of pinball tournaments in London in July. And that's my self-promotion over. Okay. Even though it's not, even though it's not me running it, um, we have uh, tournament directors, um, a couple of Matt Vince uh, is running the, um, three of them, or two of them, I think, and um, Neil McRae running the other two. And I don't know, I might run the, might run another, a, a Sunday tournament yet, but... Uh, uh, so I'm just an overall charge of that. That uh, these are the guys who are actually going to be uh, on the sharp end of events and uh, making sure everyone has a fun time. Right. So, and is it just going to be tournaments, or are there other events uh, scheduled as well? No, it's just tournaments. It's um, it's tournament weekend. It's um, uh, we have our uh, UK show, UK Pinfest, is uh, later in the year in August um, at ukpinfest.com. So you can check that out. That's back in Daventry. Uh, in the mid English Midlands, uh, right. but this is um, we're we're breaking the uh, the UK Open and UK Classic, and um, out of that show, giving them their own location and adding another three tournaments to it as well, just to make it you know a really fun five days and bring it to London right. as well, where uh, lots of people will say, "Why don't you hold the tournaments in London?" Well, now we are. Okay, so and um, uh, so. There's tournaments. Uh, does it mean, um, or will there also be uh, games on free play? And is the um, is, uh, these five days are people who are not a tournament player welcome to uh, come in and uh, play some pinball as well, or is it strictly for those eighty who registered and that's it? Well, there certainly will be free play machines available, and um, if at the um, the first tournament's been held in a in a, in a coffee shop in West London where they have um, all the newest machines. And then we're moving over to our pinball club in South London, uh, where there will be free play machines as well, and um, as well as a classics tournament as well, So, uh, which is a, a lot more relaxed than the, than the main tournament. Uh, the, uh, we, the, the main focus is on tournament play. It's not a, it's not a pinball show as such. It is, it is a tournament. 
but um, it's kind of like you know, the events that are held at um, the clubhouse in in uh, in Holland at the uh, Dutch Pinball Association uh, for the, like, the Dutch Pinball Masters. Uh, it's it's a tournament event, although there are some free play machines available, but we can't. That's not the focus of it. But if you want to come along, if you're a partner with somebody, or you you know you're not a competitive player, yeah, you can probably come along and play and just sign in and come along. And we have a we have a you know a number of days where. Uh, people can can do that. And um, talking of the the Dutch Pinball Association and Dutch Pinball Masters, we've uh, secured the services of uh, one Mr. Ad Yonker to uh, come. Well, I know he, no one's ever heard of Ad, but um, he's uh, he's coming and bring his tournament system over to uh, to run the UK Pinball Open scoring system um, for us. Um, so while Neil. Neil is uh, tournament director. Ad's going to be looking after all your scoring and, and displays for the qualifying rounds, um, and using his, you know, his uh, tried and tested system to make sure it all runs smoothly. Okay, good. So, yep. and uh, um, uh, just to be clear, Ed Jonker is a, a very dear friend of mine. So, uh, I was just joking. Yes, I know. He's uh, you know, he's but a, he is a great supporter not... of pinball, and he loves. He comes to Texas. He comes to whenever he can. Um, uh, and various other shows around the world and uh, and runs tournaments as well. He's a, he's a seasoned uh, tournament organizer, tournament director, and a very and a pretty good player and a, a fellow beer lover. So uh, all round good guy. Yeah, always fun hanging out with Ed. Mm-hmm. So okay, um, so enough with the self promotion. Um, mm, yes. Then um, uh, I have three more uh, items on my list uh, to briefly discuss. Go for it. Well, um, American Pinball in Oktoberfest is on the line and shipping. Good. Yes. Yep. Um, That's about as much as I know about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess that means that um, it's kind of locked down now. No more changes to anything on the play field. Hardware um, gator. No, no. The hardware and the artwork is is done and dusted, and it's it's, get, it's getting out there. So, right. uh, yeah, um, I actually saw one the other day in a in a. There was one a, at uh, Flip Expo. Yeah, but I was thinking I saw one in a in a bar somewhere that was uh, doing a, a beer promotion, and it would have been an ideal place. I think I think Joe Balser on Facebook was talking about how it would be ideal for location for to have an Oktoberfest and lo and behold it has an Oktoberfest so, so yeah although it's well, not, not just about the drinking but it's uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a very good game for, a very good bar game you would think um, yeah um, hopefully it will be for them um, mm-hmm. I played it at Slip Expo I think there was still a prototype game um, I'll reserve my comments mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, I enjoyed it. I played it there. Uh, first time I played it since, well, for a long time, since Expo, since it was first revealed. And, uh, yeah, I had fun with it. Um, I think the play field seems to play well. Um, the artwork is very bright and uh, uh, attractive, I'd say. It would draw people in the same kind of way that like, like Python Angelo artwork did on the games like Hurricane. And... Um, I, 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 being a, a graphics guy, I do have issues with the display graphics on American. Yeah, they're not games. up to the level of Stern or Jersey Jack. Uh, I no. say, no, I think that's uh, that's fair to say. Um, I wish they could in, enhance that, um, but you know, 
at the end of the day, as I said earlier, the, the game's on the play field. Uh, I just I just don't like to look up at the play at the display and uh, sort of inwardly cringe. But then right. you know, I do that in a number of ways that I think people would not even spot. You know, um, that's a thing that gets me about a lot of um, color DMD games um, or displays. Um, I look at them and I see this, you know, yellow text with purple text underneath and green text underneath that, and I'm thinking, oh my god, you know, why on earth did you pick those colours? And um, that that makes me cringe, and everybody else goes, "Oh, look, lovely color." So um, it, uh, <laughs> I think I'm probably um, different in the way that I look at games to other people. But there well, you go. Can't blame you. Uh, so, and um, I think it's best uh, for me to reserve my comments. Um, I also played Oktoberfest at uh, the Texas Pinball Festival, and because I did, I actually noticed that at the game in France, not everything was functioning correctly or as it. Uh, was war, uh, functioning um, at the Texas show. So um, my, yes. my most recent memories playing that game um, were uh, basically the game wasn't working uh, as I was expecting it to work. Uh, I think skill shots were not uh, uh, enabled and uh, some other things were not working as as good as they were. I think even one of the flippers was... Um, uh, having some issues, so uh, that that sort of uh, killed uh, the the fun in playing it uh, for me a little bit. But I I still say that I like it far more than Houdini. Mm. So yeah, I, I think I, I think I prefer the artwork on on Houdini. But um, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, I had a little funny story to to share about. Uh, I was playing a, a four player game. I think I was playing with Ad actually, amongst other people, and. Um, I'm not sure if uh, one of the stand-up targets was not uh, registering or was registering too frequently, shall we say. But uh, at the end, of, the end of the ball, when the ball drained, it sort of counts up the number of ducks that you've uh, collected by hitting the stand-up targets. And I think I got such a large number of ducks, um, it sort of draws all the ducks across the screen. Uh, but it was drawing them, and there were so many of them that they were basically drawing on top of each other and they were kind of like one pixel from one duck to the next. They were all overlapping, and there were so many of them that it got sort of like halfway across the screen. And, and for every duck it does, it goes quack. So you're going quack, 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 quack. And so this is like, you know, 100 times. And no and hurry up possibility whatsoever. No, you in press that. the flipper buttons, and it doesn't speed up at all. Um, but I tried it. I pressed the flipper buttons, tried to speed it up, uh, and the game crashed um, and reset. So, <laughs> so you broke it. Game. Well, it was a four-player game. It was, um, was it, uh, oh, oh, sorry. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, basically. Uh, I think it has a limit on the number of ducks it can count up. So, uh, there you go. Um, Josh and guys at uh, American Pinball um, increase the number of ducks that it can cope with for uh, situations like that because, uh, obviously, I think it probably had something like, I don't know, over a 1,000 ducks collected, and um, that's enough to kill the game. So, there you go. So, um, but we still I, laughed and we still had fun, right? Okay, um, I got two more notes. Uh, I'll do this one and then you'll do the, the last one. Um, Brian Allen, um, who is the oh, yes. uh, artist that you might know from the limited edition alien backlash that he uh, did for Highway Pinball, um, I think we mentioned last month that he did an alternative back. Uh, or translate for Monster Bash. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which was yeah. um, um, loosely inspired by the original uh, translate, I would say, but then in his own uh, style. And um, apparently, um, he was um, summoned that uh, that needed to be licensed uh, from Williams. And um, I just got word from Brian that um, that is now all settled, and that the um, um, uh, the translate will be available soon again through official channels, I believe, even. So, um, that's good. so, so it, that's good. Yeah, it was a very attractive um, reworking of the original. Um, I'm saying this. I'm looking at a Monster Bash poster hanging on the wall that uh, features the characters. But uh, the, the one that, that Brian did was on the Back Alley Creations stand at the Texas Pinball Festival, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of people looked at that and uh, basically saying, "Wow, that that looks amazing." It's a lot more edgy and a lot more well scary. I suppose, as, as monsters probably are meant to be, rather than sort of rounded faces, they're a lot more angular and um, and a little more frightening and uh, and sharp, I think. And uh, yeah. people thought, oh, that's good. Um, I don't think it was actually, it, it wasn't in the game, it was in a light box, I think. Uh, and I'm not sure people necessarily knew whether or not it could be put in a game, whether it was even the same size. But... Um, it did look great, and it's actually, uh, you can see it in the uh, Texas Pinball Festival report that I did on the uh, Back Alley Creations stand where I go through all the uh, all the vendors in the vendor hall. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not featured directly, but it, you can certainly uh, see it and see what, the, what it is that they had there. And I think it's, uh, yeah, great work, and it deserves to see the light of day and be out there. And, uh, um does it need licensing? Well, we can have this discussion. You know, it's um, it's derivative of the original, I would say. So maybe it does, but uh, either way, it um, it does look absolutely. Uh, it's got wonderful colours, strong colours, and uh, it's just a sort of more amped up and uh, vibrant version and and edgy than the original. I think it was right. uh, was it two hundred and twenty five dollars or something. I think yeah, something like that. that. Um, yeah. Originally, I think it was a um, um, a limited edition. I'm not sure whether it still is. Um, I do know that um, uh, Brian will actually be selling these um, at the Allentown show uh, next weekend. So if you're going to that show and you want to see the, uh, the artist who created this or even uh, get a translate yourself, then uh, here's your chance. Yeah, I believe it was limited to 125. That was the original um, production run, but uh, right. but there's also there's also a nice uh, I think it was a nice black and white um, sketch as well, a framed sketch, a smaller version from which it was based. So I don't know if that's sold or whether that's available as well. Um, uh, so basically, a, a print of those um, would be very nice just to hang on your on your game room wall, even if you don't buy the uh, or don't even have a monster bash. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, and so. the last one, I suppose, is um, just something I noticed that, um, you know, the, I don't want to call it a doomed game, because it, it's far from doomed, but the, the highway pinball game, Alien, which um, is probably, well, in, in my opinion, I'd say it's probably one of the, one of the best um, utilizations of a theme in a pinball of any of any of any license really um it's so in-depth and it's clearly done with a lot of love by everybody who was involved in the design team for that game 
um, could be seen as um, as being you know having reached the end of the road when Highway Pinball closed. But uh, work is continuing on the on the game code. I, I hear um, so there is there's a programmer out there who's coming up with a, with a newer version of uh, or an updated version of the Alien game code. Um, whether that's going to lead to any more games being made by Pinball Brothers, um, you can, we can speculate uh, for a long time. But yeah, there are. Um, it's, it's a it's a very valuable license. It's a very sought after game, and um, you know parts are becoming available. Pinball Life does have the boards available, um, the underplayful boards for that game. Um, so no, maybe if if the, if the game's been developed, maybe it could go back into production at some point. And uh, well, that's a speculation. But the the fact is that um, game code is being further developed beyond where it was when Highway shut down. And um, stay tuned for more information on that as as we get it. Right. Okay. Um, I guess that rounds it up. For the I think news. it probably does. Yeah, yeah that, uh, for the news that we uh, that we are bringing you from um, uh, recapping the pinball industry news of uh, April 2019. Um, but please do join us uh, next month for another episode of our uh, pinball magazine and pinball news podcast. And um, anything, uh, any closing words you want to add? Uh, not really. Um, I'm not. I don't currently have any overseas shows to go to, but um, this weekend I shall be at the uh, the Play Manchester or Play Expo, I think, show in Manchester, right. uh, where the Northern Lights pinball team will be there with around fifty or sixty pinball machines oh, as nice. part of a much bigger sort of gaming and uh, arcade and um, Comic-Con and all, basically everything to do with um, gaming and, and be it um, card games, be it uh, video games. Um, cosplay yeah. as well? Cosplay as well, yeah. Yeah, hmm. still time to come over, Jonathan. Oh. Uh, so that's in Manchester this weekend, uh, so look out for a report on that. And after that, um, I don't know. I was... I'm not sure what shows I'm going to be going to in the U.S. over the summer, if any, because work is getting in the way, which is a bit annoying. But uh, now we have to pay for these these uh, trips somehow. Um, so still looking to see what uh, we're going to be doing. Yeah, we've got to work um, on a celebrity status that, that we don't have to pay anymore, that they're just offering us a ticket and a hotel. So that please come over and be enrich us with your presence. Yeah, well, if anybody wants to make that offer, um, I'm, I'm all ears, as they say. Um, and I'm sure I'll, I'll be able to work around uh, any work commitments to make sure that happens. Um, so please, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so this is, uh, that's it for, uh, for this month. Uh, next week will be – next week, next month we'll mm. be back with a new update. And um, – in the meantime, um, there will be another newsletter update uh, coming out uh, from Pinball Magazine as well. And uh, if there's any shocking events, uh, you'll probably read about it either on pinball-magazine.com or pinballnews.com. Yep. So until next month, where we'll be looking back at the wonderful month of May. So from me, Martin Ayub, and from Jonathan Houston. We'll wish you a very good goodbye, and uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.